Yeah, so. it's like an olive vest. I've never seen you. We're good. Feel kind of funny. All right, everybody. I'm uh, Shane. I'm here with Shake Russell once again to ask some hey, Shane. questions. Hi, Shake. How are you? Good. We've done this many times. I feel like you're one of my best friends now. <laughs> you know me better than anybody else. Can, I, uh, can I have your phone number? <laughs> no. Talk about the Astros now? Okay. <laughs> That's cool. You talk about the Astros. So, <laughs> so I've always wondered, and I'd, like, I'd imagine a lot of people have, the name Shake. I know that wasn't probably your God-given name. I'm not positive, but... Uh, yeah, when I was born, my daddy, the doctors pulled me out and they shook me around <laughs> and they said, we'll call him Shake. Bye, guys. No. So that's what happened? <laughs> no, not really. So how did you get it? You know, I was like 16 years old and playing our band up in Missouri in a little uh, roller rink. And we took a break, and this little cute girl came up. I was 16, you know, this cute girl came up and said, Hi, what's your name? And I didn't want to tell her my real name because it was like a farmer's name. I was embarrassed, you know. So I said, it's, I'd been reading Shakespeare in school. So I said, I'm William Shakespeare, and you can call me Shake like that. And she did. She called me Shake. We went steady for about six months or so, you know, which – Back then was forever, and I was, she started calling me Shake. So when I started playing in folk ho- coffee houses around Kansas City without my band, they said, how do you want to be billed? And instead of saying, Bob Russell, I said, Shake Russell. And that was the beginning. That was it. Never turned back. A cute girl. Now my driver's license has Shake on it. Does it really? I pay my taxes by Shake. <laughs> I'm Shake. All because of a cute girl. Yeah. And that's how most things yeah. happen. It is. It is. Well, you know. It's uh, a good story. It's a true story. I don't tell many true stories, but <laughs> that one's true. So the next question is, why do you play your guitar so funny? And what's what's up with that? I didn't know any better when I started out. I was 14, and my buddy uh, Larry Metzdorf was right-handed, and he had a his brother had a bass guitar, his older brother, and I was I didn't have any any kind of guitar. I just played baseball, and finally I borrowed a, his brother's bass and just turned it upside down, not knowing that. You shouldn't do that. You should probably turn the strings around. But I was just playing bass notes and single notes, and and the big bottom, the string was on the big bottom string was on the bottom, and the tiny string was on the top. And I thought that's logical, you know, that's bass and treble. Right. So that's the way I learned the the neck in my mind's eye to play the neck on the bass. And then when I went to play six string. I borrowed my buddy Metzdorf's guitar, turned it over, got me a chord book, and taught me how to play these basic chords. And that was my beginning and I went to take lessons at a guitar store and they said well you need to turn those strings around son and we can't teach you and being stupid and young I, I didn't want to turn them around I said no I'm I'm fine you know I'll just do it this way and here I am 50 years later <laughs> still do it that way what? but it works you know and I've met over the years I've met dozens or not, not dozens but half a dozen or more people that play like, like I do. do. the same thing? Yeah, and the same story. They didn't have their own stuff, and they didn't know any better, and they were just learning young, and they kept it, kept playing that way. Can you play your songs, like, the other way? Like, no, the real way? No, no, no this is the way. I've seen people can play both ways, and I, that's, that's good. <laughs> and they can just flip it over and do it. No, no. I'm lost. Huh. Right-handed. That's interesting. Yeah. Um. So I, I, I don't know why I thought this question. I just kind of was curious. I know you've met a lot of people doing this for as long as you have. So who's the most famous person you would think that you've met? Like, oh, my goodness. Do you have somebody that's... Oh, let me think about that one. I don't know. I mean, I met, to me, people like J.J. Kale and... Um, uh, oh, gosh. Sort of pre- presidents or dignitaries or... Any what the, any any presidents? presidents or I haven't any presidents yet or any, any uh, governors. I haven't played golf with any governors yet. No. <laughs> 
No, um, I don't know. I mean, a lot. I'm trying to think of. You mean a lot of musicians are they're up right. there, you know, and they turn out to be jerks, you know, when you meet right, them. They're not right. very nice people. I've met a lot that are nice, and you know, Clint Black, you know. Right. I'm, I'm older than Clint, so he's kind of. <laughs> But still, uh, he's a real nice gentleman. He always has been, you know. And um, but he's, I met guy, yeah, several times back in the way back in the day in the seventies, when we were recording up in Austin. He he was recording at the same studio, and he would drop by and say hello and say, "Oh, I like that." You know, he's very supportive, real nice fella. Yeah. Did you know all those guys, Towns and Guy? Do you know, like Hopkins? I've, yeah. I've met Towns. Yeah. You know, a lot of times did shows with him over the years. I didn't really know him. Um, yeah. I didn't go fishing with him or hang no. out with him, you know. But <laughs> He didn't have your phone number either? <laughs> no. Well, he didn't give me his either. That makes me feel better. <laughs> he never had a phone, I don't think. Towns. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't imagine. All right, so we're going to do this little thing. Right. I'm going to have to get my notes on this. Okay. I went to your Wikipedia page. All right, my Wikipedia. Your Wikipedia. Yeah. And uh, we're going to play uh, kind of a truth or not truth Wikipedia. Okay. I'm going to read you some things from it. You're going to tell me. If it's true or not. I'm going to tell you the real story. Tell me the real story. <laughs> All right, we'll just do the first one. Shake Russell was born Oren Russell. That's why I changed my name. <laughs> <laughs> in Independence, Missouri. That's true. His father was a well, minister. I was born in Blue Springs. Were you? Uh, but that's real near Independence. That's close enough. Yeah. Your father was a minister and you sh- and you sang. Well, my uh, brother's a minister too. Really? Yeah. And you sang in the choir. Uh, oh, no, 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 no. I didn't sing in the choir. Huh? Who? Who told you that? Wikipedia. Yeah, so Wikipedia is right there. Well, I, I sang it's in church. Page, I sang Jake. in church. That was my first exposure to music was <laughs> in church. You know. So you didn't sing in the choir? No, no. I sang beside my dad sitting on the, you know, on the uh, pew. So this I, is three quarters true, which is pretty good for Wikipedia. Yeah, not bad. So I did go to church. I did sing in church. But did you go to church willingly? Or, Pardon? Did you go willingly or did they kind of get drugged there? Oh, you know, I'm a kid. I didn't want to go. <laughs> I wanted to go play baseball. Yeah. Do something fun. But I went. I like the music part. It was good. Nice. All right. The next thing was when you were 16 years old, you joined a local band called called Odds and Ends. I did. Uh, Odds and Ends. That's the name for you. Isn't at 16? Uh, yeah. That's actually not a bad name. Well, yeah. I, I th- we didn't think it was at the time, but we were doing a radio uh, Battle of the Band show in Kansas City, and this 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 jock I remember introduced us, and and he says, "Ladies and gentlemen, the next group is." He looked at the notes, the odds and ends. And he looks back <laughs> over his shoulder at us. He goes, I see how you got your name. <laughs> what? <laughs> really? Yeah. So we changed the name right after that. <laughs> the Love Street Affair. You know, it was more psychedelic. Did you play psychedelic rock? Oh, we went. You know, I got, used to have 8 by 10 photos of uh, me and a band with uh, matching turtlenecks and suits, shark skin suits. Two years later, we're all wearing beads and Nehru jackets and all really? hair. And, you know, so we went through phases of, like the music did, you know, in the 60s. Mm-hmm. We played, uh, I can say now, uh, old music, dance music, into all the psychedelic stuff. Really? Yeah. Oh. That, uh, and I did that until I was about about 18, I guess, and I started playing coffee houses by myself. That's where I met Dana, who okay. was playing the same coffee yeah. house. Yeah. Nice. Well, I got it in 1970. Shank joined a Kansas City-based group led by John Vandiver. That's true. Vandiver, Ewing Street Times. Ewing Street Times, John Vandiver, yeah. So that's true. That's true, and uh, yeah, that's how I got to Texas. Was John was from Dallas, and after a few years of playing with them out of Kansas City, he says, I'm going home to Texas. If you all want to come with me, you're welcome. You know, I like the way you play bass. I like the fact you can drive all night. 
if you want to come, come on. And I wanted to get out of Missouri and go down to Texas because I'd been here before to visit. Right. I thought, this is where I want to go to play music. So John brought us down here nice. at, at, in that group. So that's true. Yeah, that's true. So it says here, your first recorded song was Deep in the West. It debuted on Volume 2 of the 1973 Kerrville Folk, Folk Festival Highlights album. I guess that's true. I hadn't thought about it. That, we did that song on an album, and, and it was like, uh, it's in our songbook. But Kerrville has a songbook, and uh, they, put, they picked that as one of the favorite songs of the Kerrville Festival to include. But that was the first actual recording. That was your first recording? Yeah, I think we made, well, let's see. We had to make demos of it when I'd written it up in the studios in Austin where I met Guy Clark, but I don't think we'd ever released them yet. You know, we just had them on, in, in the can, and we played Kerrville. They did a live recording every year, and we were part of that recording. They had that song on it. Wow. Yeah. That's true. We're, we're doing pretty good. Yeah, not bad. All right, this is a long one for me to read, but we're going to do it. Vandiver's band, Ewing Street Times, split up in 1975. Yeah. After the demise of the band, Russell went to Chicago along with Michael Mashkis. Mashkis, yeah. After a short stay, the pair moved to New York. They found it difficult to break in the New York City music scene. And you said, Russell, that uh, Vandiver called you and you came That's to Houston. That's true. But Michael and I, he was from Chicago. So when the group broke okay. up in 75, he goes, I'm going back to Chicago. So, I, so I'm going to go with you because it was a cool city. Like right. Steve Goodman and uh, John Prine, all the big music scene in Chicago at the time. So we went up there and, and played some gigs, did some shows around the Chicago area. And that broke. I, I found a band up there and brought them back to Texas. Michael stayed up there and, and didn't come back till later. And, but I came back with a band from Chicago and played in Texas. Didn't go anywhere. So I, that's why I went up to New York to try to get a record deal. And I played on street corners and open mic nights. Trying really? To, yeah, just trying to get somebody part, to hear me. What part me. of New York? What part uh, of the city? Greenest Village. Oh, you know, really? That was a happening place. So, you know, all the all these open mic things were around yeah. the Manhattan. You'd, you'd watch for them, and you'd go play them, and you'd play on the street corner and had to put up with some uh, drunk harmonica player saying, <laughs> let me jam with you, boy. We'll split the money. All right. <laughs> well, how fun was that to be in New York at that time? Huh? I said, how fun was that to be in New York at it was, that time? It was a better place than it is now, I think. Yeah. You know, back in those days, a little safer. I'm watching that that uh, documentary on the, the five, I guess, Mafia bosses that oh, ran yeah. the city in the 70s and oh, 80s. No. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah, it looked pretty scary. Yeah. You survived, though. I did. So it says here, your first album, <laughs> Songs on the Radio, was based on a live radio performance on Houston's KLOL-FM. That's true. In August 1977 with Dana Cooper. That's true. You know, Dana and I, I was playing around town already with my own chick, Russell Band, and I went out to California to hook up Dana because I knew him in Kansas City. Hadn't seen him in years. I said, come on to Texas, man. I got some good stuff going. So he decided to join and uh, came down here and we went on, we wrote some new songs. We wrote songs on the radio and we, I wrote You Gotta Love Her and we wrote When Are You Coming Home. So we went on the radio and played three songs. People loved it. They'd get all these phone calls saying, who are these guys? You know, what is this? Really? So from that, you know, doors opened for, for us. People coming out to our shows started having big, bigger crowds. People wanting to hear our songs instead of somebody else's. So it kind of opened doors. And, um, yeah, it was uh, K-101. And from doing that and being so popular, we decided to put an album out. And the centerpiece was those three songs that was done live. So they okay. sound different when you hear them on the album. They sound like they're on the radio. Right. Then we took other stuff that I'd done in Austin where I met Guy Clark and like Deep in the West. And we put those all on a compilation album called it Songs on the Radio. Thank you, K-101, for, you know, opening doors for us. That's wow. That was the idea. And it just sold 
thousands and thousands of copies like you wouldn't believe, you know, and just put us on the map locally and got a lot of people's attention up in Austin, record labels and things like that, saying, boy, who are these guys? You know, what, what label was that one on? Well, see, after that happened, Gary P. Nunn said, I want to take Shake Up and produce him. And uh, there's a fellow up in Austin, Michael Brosky, who's a big producer, money man. And so he wound up taking me over and, and pushing Gary P. out of the picture. <laughs> and he started his own label that was funded by MCA Records and called it South Coast Records. Had me and Joe Ely and Jerry Jeff and a few other people that he was managing uh, on this. And so I thought it was going to be great, you know, uh, to be in an Austin, Texas label. Right. And on a, a label with all these other good people that I admire. But it just, it was uh, one of those crazy 70s things where all the money disappeared. And we had, the, the album was very successful. We put out, Dana Cooper and I put out, sold more than anybody anticipated. And they, immediately they wanted to do another one. We said, nah, because they were just taking money and funneling it somewhere else. They right. were giving it to us, you know. <laughs> so we bought our way out of that deal. But it cool. got us, it was another stepping stone, you know. Yeah, of course. Another That's chapter in the book. Um, it says here that the record Denim and Pearls was the, basically the first time you met Clint Black during that time period. During that time period, yeah. yeah. Then, I met Clint, you know, I've told the story before on stage. Yeah. I met him at Bel Air at the uh, South Paul Guitars on a Saturday morning, and uh, we became friends. And he asked, asked me to come out and hear him play with his brother. He wanted to open up some shows for me, and we did, and he was very good. So we said, come on, man, no problem. We started traveling together and then writing songs together. Just and that was another opportunity, you know. That he, right. he recorded a half a dozen of them. Yeah, yeah. Rest is history. Yeah. So I got one yeah. last thing for you. Okay. So Texas music music singer songwriter Hall of Fame inductee in 2016. That's right. Look at that. Up in Austin, yeah, that was yeah. pretty nice. I didn't see that coming, and it, I was in the first year of the the of the uh, all the inaugurated people. A lot of them that were there that year was Gary P. and Bob Livingston, a bunch of my old peers from Austin days. Right. We were all getting the award at the same, the very first year of the award. So that's pretty cool. Cool, it is cool. Yeah, it was. Well, that was 95% true. I think the only thing they missed well, was you didn't sing in the choir. Have. I mean, it's right there. <laughs> Cut and paste. Well, there you go, people. Anything on Wikipedia to believe it. It's true. If you have any more things you want to know, just send them <laughs> in to Shane, and we'll get it next week. Yeah, if you okay. want to, got any questions, let me know, and we'll, we'll do it. We'll answer them. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Jake. Thank you.